Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world, spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com, music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at... song by Fred Hammond, Just to Be Close to You. And this is Topically Yours on the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. I'm your host, Deirdre Schuler, And we are about to talk with Grammy Stellar and Dove Award-winning gospel singer, songwriter, filmmaker, and multi-platinum producer, Fred Hammond. Fred Hammond is part of the upcoming show on Sunday, April 29th at 6 p.m., at Lehman Center for the Performing Arts in the Bronx as part of the Festival of Praise, Texture of a Man 2018 concert. Uh, The lineup will include Fred Hammond, who we'll be speaking to in a moment, Donnie McClurkin, James Fortune, Take Six, which we spoke to yesterday, and Pastor Charles Jenkins. Well, Let me just tell you, if you want to get your tickets, I suggest you do because the show is supposed to be superb. So I suggest you call 718-960-8833 or go online at www.lehmancenter.org. Fred Hammond has sold over 15 million albums worldwide, and that includes 12 number one hits, which reached gold and platinum status. He has recorded songs like Are You Ready, No Weapon, Just To Be Close To You, which I just played, and One More Try. One more try. Well, as I said, Mr. Hammond is with us. 
So let me welcome him to the show. Greetings, Mr. Hannon. How are you? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. Excellent. Well, well, it's a pleasure to have you. And I always like to ask a little bit about the background of, of, of folks that I have. How did you get, well, where are you from originally? I am from Detroit, Michigan. I was born in Texas, uh, San Antonio, Texas, but we moved immediately up to Detroit, and that's where I spent most of my years and adult years. In the last 12 years, I've been in Dallas, Texas. Ah, must be nice and hot there now. Aren't you happy that spring oh, is about? Oh, it's nice and warm. Well, are you on a, a tour now, uh, and so you're going into, did I understand, at least 48 states? 48, yep. 48 cities, and uh it may not be 48 states, but it is 48 cities, you know, because you have multiple uh, cities in one state, yeah. And um, right, cause you we're on our way to Boston America. as we speak. Well, I guess that, that was a mistake on my part, because you'd be, you'd be, practically all over America, so it was 48 states. Well, we are. We're from California all the way to New York and all the way down yes. to Florida, the tip of Florida, by this weekend, and back up to New York again and back out to the Midwest and Detroit and, and everywhere. So we are all, we're all over America. I'm sure when this uh, this uh, tour is over, you're just going to stay in bed for the a month? About about two days, two, three days. I usually just chill, don't, don't go nowhere after that, and then I get myself together and get on back up. Well, what prompted you to, were you always a singer even as a kid? What prompted you to go into the business of music? Um, I sang, but I didn't want to be a singer. I was too shy. You know, I just was, you know, I couldn't mimic people. And I didn't think that was singing. I just mimicked Michael Jackson, you know, when he first came out with the Jackson 5 and Want You Back and stuff like that. And I mimicked the stuff I had around my house, my mom had around the house, Stevie Wonder, Lou Rawls, everybody. I was just, you know, my dad was a big jazz fan. And, uh, I just would just do the temptations. We lived in Detroit, and, um, so Motown was hot. You know, so right Smokey there. Robinson, you know, Edwin Starr, uh, all the great ones, all the great Motown artists. We would go to the little reviews from time to time and see them at, at the park, and I would just sing, but I didn't want to be a singer. I wanted to be a bass player or a drummer because I would go to the Corvette, the quartet convention, not the Corvette convention, the quartet convention, and I would just see them singing, and I would just want to be on one day I'm going to play with one of those team groups. And, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to play with them. And, um, but I just could sing. And my mother talk, caught me one day. She said, you know, if you open your mouth, you could sound like that boy Michael Jackson. You could sing as good as he could. And I was too shy. And so I made sure she never heard me again. You know, so I just wanted to keep that to myself. But somewhere along the line, I wanted to start, I felt a calling to witness to people, and I didn't know how to do it. I didn't think I was a good preacher at, at, at 10 or 11, so I just, around 12, 13, I just felt this calling. I mean, tell people about the Lord, but I was shy. 
I didn't know how to do it. Then when I realized I could sing a little bit, I would, uh, maybe if I do it like this, people will listen to me, and I'll dedicate it to God. Well, now you sound a little bit about like Moses. Didn't Dad. Moses have to get his brother Aaron to talk to him? For him because he was so shy as well. That's right. That's right. He was shy because he had an imperfection, and um, due to imperfection, you know, it it pushed him to, you know, do something uh, because of that calling. Calling to do something for that thing that they calling to do something. Well, I always think that when you do have a so-called imperfection, because almost everything in life is. Imperfect, but when you have that, it either builds a, a anger in you or a compassionate heart, and it makes you, I think, a stronger individual in the end. But who pushed you yeah, out front? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Well, I ended up playing bass for my church, um, and uh, I was content. And then uh, an opening came up for a group. I was in a lot of little groups, and we would sing around the city. And an opening came up for this group that had just left the city, changed their name from the testimonial singers to um, the Winans. And uh, we knew them, and we heard their records, so we were like, whoa, um, man, they're getting ready to put the new band together. And with that in mind, I was able to audition and get the part, and I stayed with them for three years until I started the group commission. And it just kept on evolving. Well, in reading up a little bit about you, they describe you as the architect behind the praise and worship phenomena. Um, has, has gospel music now become mainstream, in your opinion? Uh, I believe it's become less mainstream. Uh, the mainstream oh. years happened during the years and age, the golden age of, say, 1970. Five, all the way up to 2000 and say five. Well, that was the golden age, and especially in the 90s, gospel hit hard. Um, Edwin Hawkins started that movement when he did Oh Happy Day, and movies mm-hmm. picked it up, and it was just it went across genres. It was doing a movement of uh, uh, the Love In movement and Woodstock movement. And, and all this other movement, then that kind of opened everything up. And then they came on down, and the Winans kind of pushed it even further. The Hawkins were, 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 people loved the Hawkins because, and these were sales. You just go by sales. They were selling hundreds, uh, half a million, a million records uh, in gospel like nobody's business. Then the Winans kicked the door open, and the Mighty Clouds of Joy had done their thing, and when they did Ride the Mighty High, and it took off, man, it was really starting to go. It was really starting to go. Uh, and um, it, and um, so with that in mind, after the clouds and the whining, then they came D.B. and C.C. and Tremaine Hawkins, and, and then stuff just started hitting the airwaves and crossing over. And it became intentional. We want to do this, and we wanted to two crossovers. And then there was a controversy about that. And B.B. and C.C. came along, and it went even further. Then this little guy did this record, and it was truly gospel. Uh, the reason why we sing, Kirk Franklin, and it exploded. And then it's platinum-selling gospel records as gospel. 
and it was a gold mine, and the record companies cashed in. And uh, now, with streaming and uh, everybody can do a really great record in their basement now, um, you know, it's so much music on the road out there that, you know, it's just kind of on the it's tapering down a little bit, you know. And um, I don't know that God wants it to taper down, but you know, praise and worship has done its thing and has run its course. Every church has got it. So what is God's new movement? And um, I have a theory about that. Um, and it's all about presentation because God has not finished calling people through gospel music. He's not finished. So I'm uh, noticing that even now, even though it's something I began to do in 1994 with Radical for Christ, and I didn't do it on purpose. Um, this music just came to me, and I, I just I, I loved it. I heard some different churches maybe getting at it, and I just made it, took it to the street and put a different beat on it and said that God was amazing and oh, magnify the Lord with me, and we're blessed in the city, and we're positive affirmations about who God was, and I just put a little hip-hop or urban beat to it, and then all of a sudden it took off. Now, every church has it, but I watch, I watch people in the States when they do praise and worship. When they do praise and worship now, it's a formality. Whereas back in the 90s, when it was starting to be first come out, it was a movement. It was like, oh, my God, praise and worship before the pastor sing, before the choir sing. And people were just like enamored. Now people are just, you know, looking at their fingernails wells and singing, break every chain, uh-huh, break on okay, thinking about what they're going to eat. Because it's like we've done it so long. And so now it doesn't have that punch to it anymore. And so what's next? Well, that's true. Uh, that's a little crazy for that you're on and, and uh, you're the one behind that. You're the I am. We're on the Festival of Praise tour, and um, it is called the Texture of a Man. It's really a musical. It is a gospel musical uh, because it encompasses all encompasses all the arts except for dance. And well, it does because the audience is dancing by the middle of the concert. Um, it, it, it brings in singing. It brings in music, it's praise, it's worship, it's gospel, it's theater, it's drama, it's film, all in one seamless movement from beginning to end, beginning to end. And it is a story about relationships. We attack, we attack something that the enemy wants to keep quiet while he destroys it, which is relationships. Hmm. It is one of the most quiet talked about uh, a subject in the church And when it's talked about It's talked about from a just spiritual aspect of, You know hey you need guys need to pray You need to fast And uh, well obviously whatever is happening ain't, ain't working real great Or maybe it's working good enough to stop it from being Totally destroyed But 50% of all first time marriages End in divorce 60% of all second time marriages End in divorce And 70% of all third time marriages End in divorce And this Statistic is in the church And that's alarming But we As gospel artists Decided to uh, To tackle this head on well, What do you right think What do you on. think is missing What do you think is, is missing There's so much materialism 
and and when people lose their jobs, they say that stops the break of a marriage. Break up. Uh, do we have too much materialism going on rather than spiritualism? Uh, that could be. Um, but here's the thing: we talk about prosperity in our churches. You know, we talk about being ahead in the tail. I sing a song called blessed in the city. He said, I'll bless your best and I'll bless you when you come. I'll bless you in the city and in the field. What does that mean? You, that means blessed. That means your baskets, your oxes, your your your, your land shall be blessed. Cattle on a thousand hills is his. That represents economic growth. And if he says, I'll give you that, I have that to give. So materialism has always been around. As long as there's God, there's always riches and prosperity. But there's also another side of it, which is poor and not prosperous. And I think nobody really comes into the world saying, I really am going to be glad if I could just just kind of stay here and get assistance from the government and just barely live in a nice house and have heat and, and then have drive a raggedy car and marry a really beautiful woman and stay with me when I'm just, you know, I could just sit around and play PlayStation. Well, think about it. Nobody want to do that. You know, we want to work. We should work. God put us in, the, in, in this world to work. What is the first thing he did? When he made man and blew into him the breath of life, he didn't say, now, every day at about 5 a.m., 5 p.m., I want you to come before me, worship and adore me. He didn't say that. He said, work. Tend to the garden. Before there was mm-hmm. church, there was work. And then before there was church, there was marriage. And he gave him another job. Be fruitful and multiply. And where was it? Now, you're with God all the time, and he never talks about worship. He talks about being fruitful, replenish the earth, tend to the garden. And so now we're just doing that. And if you do it, think about it. Eden was the richest place that earth ever produced. It was rich. So you had everything. Now we're always trying to get back to Eden. Let's get back to Eden. Live on top of the world, right? Well, Eden would. But I don't think we understand what Eden is. I I, I think that people are in of uh, what that is because we spend more time stressed out about work, and and there should be a joy in work. And I think that's what. Well, here's the problem: the day that you eat of the tree in the midst of the garden of the of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The day you do what I say not to do, you will surely die. And the thing that you used to, what was the curse that he gave man? He said, now you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. Before, it really wasn't work. It was just right. tend to it. Just tend to it. You ain't got to water it. It waters itself. You ain't got to cut it. You'll be all, it'll be all right. Leave it alone. Just watch over it. Name the animals. That's this. And there goes a bat. And there's a this. There's a bat. You know, it really wouldn't work. It was tending. Just God gave you something to do. It was almost babysitting. It was easy work, as Floyd Mayweather. This is easy work. Then all of a sudden, when we disobeyed him, he handed out curses. And to man, he said, what? Before it used to be this. Now you're going to work by the sweat of your brow. Just to get what you always had. So guess that's what? Something. That's what we're doing. When do you think we'll ever be free, though? I mean, at what point do we become when free? When we enter think... them, when we when we stand before Jesus, 
who stand before after the rapture will be free. The Bible never says that it will get better. It says it will get worse. All we can do is just try to make our position better and do the best we can for our families. You know, but what I will say is this. The thing that's killing marriages is one thing, two visions. Two visions is killing marriage. Two visions kill relationships. Two visions, the Latin word for that is die, vision. Die meaning two. Vision meaning vision. And a house divided cannot stand. I didn't write that. So when you got two visions in a household, he wants to go this way and she wants to go that way, you can't become one. You stay two. And when you stay two, the house will die. Well, don't you think you should support one another in their vision? If you can. It don't always work like that. But you should find each other who who agrees and say, well, listen, at this time, you'll do this, and I'll do that. And then the next time, I'll do this, and you do that. You know, like take me. I'm a little different breed now, okay? I have, I'm one of them people that got the divorce in, in 50% in the first time, and I hated it. And I hated it. Say that again? What did you just say then? What did you just say? I said I'm one of the people that got a divorce in the first time of my marriage. I'm one you of. You learned that. Oh yes. What did you learn from, from that? A house divided can't stand. Firsthand, I learned it. Firsthand. And I'll never have a divided home as long as I live. And I wait till the one that can walk with me and understand. Now listen. Because I like red shoes, that don't mean you got like red shoes. Okay. And because you like a you like a garden, that don't mean I got like a garden. You know, it just means we have different interests in what we do daily. But we can't agree that our house will be judgment free. We don't judge people. It, I can't agree that we will not be critical. Our household is not a critical household. We understand other people's plight. We may not agree with it, but we ain't going to sit up and have a whole bunch of negative talk about it either. See, that's what my house will say. We understand that we'll bring nothing in the home that will offend God. Now, that's where agreement comes in. The whole world moves on agreement, and the enemy attacks agreement. The world don't move closer to the sun because it agrees with God's word. God's word said stay right there or bitch and never move at three degrees this way or that way. Three degrees to the left towards the sun and we fry. Three degrees away, three degrees away from the sun and we freeze. So the earth which is suspended on nothing agrees with God's word and the sun which is suspended on nothing agrees with God's word and said, I will not burn the earth up until God says, and I will not freeze the earth until God says. It's agreement. The president of the United States, I don't know, everybody, it ain't everybody's friend. It ain't everybody's choice. And I won't get into no political thing here. But we all Thank agree you. he's the president. We all agree mm-hmm. he's the president, don't we? And he don't have no magic cape. He don't have no magic cape. But here's the reality. We agree he's the president of the United States. Whether we like him or not, 
and I will get into my views, but I will say this. I don't care for him that much, and that's where I leave it. But I will do what God says. God says to pray for him, and that's what I do. But here's the thing, good or bad, bombing Syria or saying something crazy in the media, what do we say? The president is crazy. Why? Because whether we like him or not, we agree he is the president. The whole world, China, everybody in the world acknowledges that he's the president, and they all agree. Now, because we agree with that, do you like him or do you hate him? Then you go with that. I hate strong word. Oh, he is that. This is, this uh, is really about agreement. I don't really want to get into. I don't want him there. I don't, I don't really want to, you know, I don't really, it was just an example. Here's a lighter example. We all agree that when you drive your vehicle, there's no magic power or no power that stops the vehicle automatically when you come to a stoplight. But the whole world agrees. Red means stop. Green means go. And when somebody breaks that agreement, usually it don't end up right. It could be a ticket. It could be a collision because you broke the agreement. You agreed that I'll stop on go. I'll stop on red. I'll start to pause on yellow and I'll slow down. And this is how the world works. It's an agreement. And God set up agreement, and that's what it is. Where two or three are gathered, touching and agreeing, that's where I am. So when a household stops touching and agreeing, it's over. Can I ask you a question about that? Sure. Um, in sure. terms of, you, you're working on a film. How, how, how did that come about? And is your philosophy that you're, you're talking about right now, is that part of, of your film? What is your film about? Absolutely. Um, it's, uh, it's when I look at what's going on in the world, um, I look at power, I look at empire, I look at all these music shows and how many people want to do music. I, I call this uh, the choir because it's a story about, you know, uh, a couple of choirs and the plights that they deal with. But it, it shows the real life things that go on behind the scenes, not... I'm not exposing nobody. I'm not talking about nobody. It's other stuff that we've seen. Death, desire, different things that people want to deal with and go to and do. And um, it definitely deals with that. It definitely deals with that. So, are, you, are you starring in it or, or other? I other am starring in it. I would rather not, but I am starring in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's because it's an independent film. Okay. And uh, it's my little piece of money, I don't, you know. And as I run out of money, uh, I wait and I start again and I start to pick it back up. But it's very edgy. It's very edgy. It's it's millennial driven. It's what millennials see every day. You know, a is lot of the Senator older saints Ruffle are going to be offended. What is it? What is it? What's huh? the storyline? What's the storyline? Is it Senator The storyline is I play, I play, a pastor, a co-pastor of a church. In a small town, and um, in Texas, and I'm also mm-hmm. a university dean. My great my great grandfather started a university way way back in the day when people weren't being able to do that, and he started it in his home, and it grew to now one of the greatest universities in the city where it come in, in the country where it calls some talks about with music, and athletics, and science. And uh, a lot of these kids come on scholarships. But um, I have a tragedy in my home 
where, and this is in the movie because everybody says, is that real? No. Uh, my son, who's in the military, is captured and tortured. And I see it on the Internet. I see his beheading oh, no. on the Internet. And oh, I, I lose my mind. Like, but I'm still, I'm still at church. I still go to church. I try to make it through church. And I still go to I teach. And after a year, the pain is so great. And I'm asking God to remove it. And he's kind of taking his time. So I become an alcoholic under, you know, under the radar uh, to ease the pain. And I'm just trying to make things happen to help me through this time. Because I think God is not listening anymore. And I'm asking the question, what did I do? What did I do? What happened? And so and rather than embarrass myself and him, I decide to quit everything. I'm out. I'm just, I'm out. I'm going away. And uh, I'm not protesting, but maybe I am. But I still love God. I still worship. But my problem is as I worship, I ease the pain. And well, God does not let me quit. He does not let me quit. You have a worship journal? It's an album, CD, my last CD. My last and it's CD called Worship Journal Live? Worship, worship Journal Live. And Okay, so you has that has that been out for, for a while or? So yeah, I want about to a year promote and a half. Some of your music if people I understand you're one of the about top a year and a half. I heard it. You're a platinum winner. Platinum award winner and both. Yeah, about it's uh, about a year and a half and now I'm about to put out another record called uh, Uncle Fred. Uncle Fred? Yep. Oh, okay. Thank you. That's something folks Well, you know, once you reach once you reach a certain status amongst the millennials, they start to call you Unc. Hey Unc. <laughs> it ain't granddad yet. They didn't call you granddad, Fred. They just call you Uncle Fred. So I got a picture of me when I was 12. It's on the cover, and uh, it's just called Uncle Fred. Well, Uncle Fred, I want to promote your, your show that's coming up in New York, so let me mention that again. It's the uh, Festival of Praise, uh, Texture of a Man, 2018 concert. And that's going to be at Lehman Center for the Performing Arts, which is in the Bronx, folks. Uh, the address is 250 Bedford Park Boulevard West in the Bronx. So make your way there. And you can call the box office for tickets at 718-960-8833 or go online at www.lehmancenter.org. Now, you're, you're the one behind this, this uh, concert. Tell me who are some of the, the people that are going to be involved in it, who the audience can expect to to uh, listen to and swing to and praise and watch and enjoy. Well, I'm going to have to say this, and then I have to go. I have to – we just pulled up at the hotel, and I have to let my bus drivers go park the vehicles. Uh, okay, Pastor so Donnie think- McClurkin, a New, York, a New Yorker himself, Pastor Donnie McClurkin. Uh, we have, I believe – I'm not sure if Take Six or Bishop Hezekiah Walker is on this uh, particular concert. James Fortune, Charles Jenkins, and a cast of actors and musicians and singers, and it's going to be the bomb. 
Well, on that note, I encourage everyone to go see the show, and I and thank you for being my guest. I know you have to go. I'll be there to see the concert, so um, I'm sure I'm going to enjoy it very much. I'm already listening to the music, so I know I will. It's so, very different. So Don't miss the opening. Don't miss the opening. I'll be there. It's very different. Well, I come early, so I'll be there. Excellent. I'll be there. All right. I, I, I thank you. Is there anything you want to add to it before you go? Uh, nope. Just uh, come on out, and I enjoy talking to you all. And uh, I bless you. I hope your show is amazing, continues to be amazing as it is. And uh, thank you for taking this time with me and uh, allowing us to speak on it. Well, thank you for giving me your time. And all right, folks, we're going to uh, end the show. And so I thank you for making my topic topically yours, and I'm going to end the show with one more try. So hang in there, and we shall try one more time. Blessing. Thank you. Luck on your shore. Welcome.